0: Welcome to the Liberators Podcast, a podcast designed to promote physical, psychological, spiritual, and financial freedom. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Liberators Podcast. My name is Jeremy Shropshire. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Mr. Ernest Lumpkins Jr. And what we'll be doing for the next six weeks is explaining the 48 Laws of Power. There are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the 48 Laws that it's all about manipulation, but there's also another side to that coin, which is to prevent yourself from being manipulated. So we'll dispel a lot of those um, misconceptions about the book as well as the laws. Um, So we'll be beginning with law number one, which is to never outshine the master. In the judgment, it says, always make those above you feel comfortably superior. In your desire to please and impress them, do not go too far in displaying your talents, or you might accomplish the opposite. Inspire fear and insecurity. Make your masters appear more brilliant than they are, and you will attain the heights of power. So for this particular law, I'll be starting this one off, and the first thing that we kind of wanted to talk about is to realize the reality that a lot of masters are people that, when we say masters, we just say people who are in leadership, bosses, things of that nature. A lot of them are insecure, So, um, and and it's often that insecurity that raises them to power, is being insecure or feeling not wanted or feeling not seen, which drives them to work so hard to attain that. So, you know, it's just common sense that once they get there, you know, they want to maintain that level of um, that, that level of authority and power. So working as working under somebody like that, you have to be very, um, how can I put this, very calculated as far as the things that you do as well as the things that you don't do. Um, what, what do you think about this? Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those things that you have to deal with. Everybody everybody has a certain bit of insecurity um, in everything that you do, especially when they feel that they're the top of the number one or the best. Um, And we notice it, it starts early when we we first get to grade school and we kind of, we're good at basketball. There's always going to be somebody that's better. Or, I don't know, I was a martial artist, you know, there was always someone better. So That's where uh, I guess our first bit of insecurity goes. But when you're in a place of authority and you start to realize um, or not a place of authority or a place of where you're working for someone and you're under someone who's an authority, you realize a lot of times you're smarter than them and you want to kind of shine and you want to express yourself and and let them know that you're you're good enough to be around them but not realizing they're already worried about you taking their place, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: um, uh, 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 yeah. and I, I think, like, a lot of them is wanting to maintain that status, wanting to maintain their position. You know, nobody, you know, it's kind of like this king of the hill mentality. Like, nobody wants to be knocked off of that hill. So, right. you know, when they see somebody that's young, has a lot of energy, has a lot of intelligence, charisma, that scares them, you know what I mean? They'd be like, okay, well, they're threatening my status or threatening my position. And that can cause people to act very violently towards you or, you know, just move you out of the way, you know, cause they, the way they figure, well, if I could dim his light before he shines the brightest, you know, no one will uh, ever know, you know what I mean? Who this person is. That's why like, you, you'll see this too, like with a lot of artists, They'll have songwriters and musicians that help them make the music, but they never mention them in an interview. They, ne- <laughs> you know, because they kind of like right. want to keep that talent hidden because they they figure, oh, shoot, well, if I put him on, then he'll be bigger than me, you know?
1: Right, right. That sounds like uh, Neil. Neil wrote a lot of stuff. He did. And once he got his shine, he, he was out of it. Yeah, he
0: was oh, out yeah. of it. You know, do um, you feel that you can really keep a star from shining? Oh yeah. If
1: they yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You can keep a star from shining just if you sabotage him the right way. You don't give him the right resources, he'll never shine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you always throwing about out the element, especially if you're in a place above him. Um, like the example from the book, uh the guy Fouquet, mm-hmm. he was uh he was a minister for, what's that guy's name? Louis XIV, he was a minister for Louis XIV and he actually thought he was falling out of the King's favor. He thought he was falling out of King Louis's favor. So he wanted to make sure he stayed in his favor. So he threw him this grand party at his own mansion. And when all these people saw this great party, Louis took it as like, dang, he was seeing how people were smiling at Fuquay, Fouquet did this, Fouquet did that, when really, Louis was the guest of honor. They, was, they were there to honor uh, Louis, but he, he couldn't see that. All he could see was all the praise that these people were giving to Fouquet. Uh-huh. What did he do? Had him killed. Right. He had him killed on, <laughs> on wood grounds. Oh, he's uh-huh. been stealing. All this time, he was stealing for Louis. Like, he was doing all kind of stuff. You know, he had all kind of, like, uh, things in his name, getting all kind of things for Louis together, and Louis
0: yep and I think the mistake that Fouquet made was he thought that showing how great he was w- would help him find favor in the king's eyes but when you're dealing with somebody that's insecure you can't show how great you are to other people you get what I'm saying like the community, you have to focus on the person that is in power, that's in leadership at the time, or else you might lose your head. You know what I mean? So the better way for him to go about doing it was to show how, was to throw a party that showed how valuable the king was, you know what I mean, to people, to show why the king was so loved, you know, to highlight some of those things in his nature that, people loved. But instead of doing that, he went to his strengths. You know what I mean? Like, as being charismatic, as being handsome, he used that to his, his advantage to say, okay, well this is why you should keep me king because the people love me. But he not worried about the people loving you. <laughs> he want the people to, wants to love people loving me, Right. You know, so I, I think that's, that's really what put him in, in such a, a dangerous uh position, what do you think that Fouquet could have did differently?
1: Oh, he should have he should have just asked the king, how do you want this part done? He should have mm-hmm. said, Hey King, how would you like would you like this? Would you like this? He should have given him options and let the king chose. Hey, would you like this waterfall or would you like this chocolate fountain type thing? Mm-hmm. And then when the king let him know, the king would have walked in and like, oh boom, I chose this, I chose this. And at the end of the night, he could have gave the speech and let him let everybody know, hey, our king chose this wonderful thing. I know y'all think I did it, but the king chose all this. I'm just a minister.
0: Mm. Yeah, see, that's that's another thing too, As I'm, as I'm thinking about it, is when you're dealing with somebody like that, it's probably better in a lot of ways to involve them and make them feel that certain things are their idea. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you just running off as this autonomous agent, <laughs> being like, oh, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of people too, the king could have felt resentment from being left out of that portion. You know, yeah. he could have felt like, oh, so for Quay, you know, he think that he don't need me. He think he's smarter than me. He what? think he got more class. You know, and all of these things is just bubbling up. And then he, you know, the king probably got women coming to him, bragging about 4K. So it's just, (laughs) it's just heightening the anger. He like, oh, I got to get him out of here. Got to kill him. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things is like, when when you start to realize that you probably should have involved this person in the process of what you want to do. Because a person feeling left out, you know, may be what causes the resentment, may be what causes the anger, may be what causes the jealousy and envy. You know, from them feeling like, oh, well, he thinks that he's more this. And it's not dangerous really with your peer group or people under you, but it's definitely dangerous when you're dealing with somebody that controls your future. You know, so that's what I understand a master to be is, Somebody that can control your future, can control your ability to eat, provide for your family. You know what I mean. That's that's to me. That's what a master is—a person that has control over your well-being. And being as it that, that that person is in control of that, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing whatever you can possible to remain valuable, but. To, to let them know that you also not a threat to them, right. you know, and that's a fine line because if you dumb yourself down too much, they say, oh, he don't have no value. That's an idiot. So they get them out of it. You know, they move people around like that as well. So it's, it's all of it. It's all a fine line between somebody showing how great they are and somebody also, you know, playing it to where they don't show too much greatness because seeing too much light can blind the the eyes. And it's the people that's closest that can tell what you really are, what your true value is. You know what I mean? That's why a lot of times the jealousy and the envy often comes from friends, family, people like that, because they see it actively. So if you're, if somebody that's over you sees that, then that, that creates a, a really big problem. Now, Galileo is a little bit different, you know, because he he approached this smarter. He knew that the Medici family uh, were violent uh, when they had to be, you know what I mean? They, they were patrons of people of the arts and stuff like that, but if they needed to get the job done, you know, they had no problem doing so to maintain their power. So by him knowing this, he said i'm a i'm gonna attach y'all to something that'll be here forever, you know pretty much the saying that y'all empire be here forever I start telling you out of planets moons and and everything like that and by and in doing so, he made the Medici family look so good that of course they want to keep somebody around that makes them look good, even so much so that they gave him a position where he wasn't pretty, you know, he wasn't making art for breadcrumbs anymore. You know, he had a, a, a essentially a salaried position, you know, to to make his art and to make things, you know, that will last forever. And we know that Galileo, you know, a lot of the things that he created is still here today, is still talked about in society. And I don't think that a lot of that would have been done had not, he had the backing from the Medici family. Right. All right. and I laugh at that because
1: you know there were four Medici brothers and he mm-hmm. he uh, miraculously found four moons of Jupiter mm-hmm. I'm wondering like did he pin the truth well, how do we know there weren't six or seven moons he was, you know?
2: mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know
1: it, it was very interesting that story but he smoked because like you said he's still here today they wouldn't know if he did they wouldn't and they wouldn't care if he did either because that story we just gonna keep paying you because you're telling us what we want to hear.
0: Yeah. It, it's like, you know, I watch mm-hmm. a I watch a lot of like mob and gangster movies and stuff like that. And even if they weren't responsible for like a murder or something like that, they wouldn't dispute it because it further enhances the reputation. Oh yeah. You I know, know it, it it builds on their mystique, it builds on their power, you know. So they won't even dispute it you know, even if they didn't do it because it it continues to build. So that's how it is with a lot of people who are masters at their crafts and stuff like that. They're okay with certain rumors being let out or being said or certain truths being built, being, uh, bent, you know, if it is to further build on their reputation and their status within society. Um, but what I do want to ask you is like, do you have any real life examples of the never outshine the master law?
1: I was, I used to work at a place where uh, I, gro- I graduated from college and um, so I would get promotions faster mm-hmm. when I worked in the sales job because they, they just wanted to promote people. But the people, but people who got there before me they were better salesmen than me and they knew a lot more about vitamins and whatnot. So I worked for a vitamin company. Um, and I kind of got instantly when I got there, I said, Hey, I got to kind of dim my light a little bit because I know I'm going to get promoted faster than these people because they're not going to want to teach me all the sales tricks. So in reality, I went there, I kind of played dumb, not played dumb, but I kind of like, so myself down, I didn't actually tell them I was going to go for management positions and different things. And I became a sales leader before a lot of them there because, they, because the company wanted me traveling and dealing with different things. And I noticed once I became that sales leader, things were a little different. Like people were fighting me a little more for commissions. At first it was like, oh yeah, Ernie, you can have it. I was Ernie. Hey, Ernie, you can have it you can have it but then it became a little different so I was like it worked because I didn't display my ambitions early but then I guess once I got the position once I got the lead position I guess I kind of it kind of backfired because I didn't make less money but I had less support from the team mm-hmm. so I got what I wanted but at the same time I didn't really get what I wanted because yeah. I, I lost a lot of support in there from the team
0: it's the, it's the finesse, bro. You know, I think my earliest understanding of this law probably was like in grade school. You know, that's the first time I can remember like observing this law because with your teacher, if you say anything to dispute what they know, it can work out bad for you. And sometimes, you know, being the type of being the type of kid that I was, you know, if I knew something. <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and act like I don't know, you know, I know, you know. So if you or or you might challenge the teacher on something, be like, what that mean? And they don't know. Or if they tell you an answer, because teachers should do this, too. They'll tell you an answer just because they assume that you don't know. So, you know, you tell them, no, 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 that's not that's not the answer to that. So that challenges their authority that makes them look less competent in the class eyes. So now their focus is on you, but they can control everything that you do. They control, they can control your in-school suspension. They can control how many bathroom breaks you get. They control your time at recess. They can control, you know, all of these things that they have authority over your life is probably not in your best interest to make yourself look like you're smarter than the teacher, you know? Mm -hmm. so that was like my first understanding of that law
1: oh man i I can low-key relate to that especially with the teachers i wasn't even thinking about that i went to catholic school Mm -hmm. so me going to catholic school my parents only did that because those were some of the better options in our area but we weren't religious at all so i would go to school and when we had theology as a kid i had to learn not to just like challenge theology or i'd be like hey uh God love us all the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. why I'm hungry? Why I'm hungry, and they not? You know, or uh-huh. uh, uh, why why we had a hurricane and they didn't? Hmm. Well, I would get in trouble for that one.
0: Yeah, and you know, if a, if a person, I learned, you know, like my brother was ahead of me, you know, so like four years, so he saw pretty much all the teachers that I was. Seeing. So, but my brother was a little bit more aggressive you know or a little bit more of like (laughs) that outspoken kid class clown at times you know my brother was a little bit more of that so by him having that reputation i came in class and was just like (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're like oh you don't talk much i'm like yeah because i know y'all get kids in trouble
1: Yeah, y'all not about to send that
0: note to my Yeah, y'all not about to do that to me. You know, so I'm not going to come in class super shining and everything like that, you know, because you have to learn sometimes to be a part of the group because not only can shining too much or wanting to be the focus of attention all the time, it can hurt you with masters and it can also hurt you with your peers too, you know, and a lot of the times, especially if you're working on a job or you're working in a field where you're centered around teams a lot. They're not gonna give you that same type of help if they feel like you think that you're smarter than them, or you know it's a lot of that too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so we we could we could we could move on to law uh law number two. Well, let me
1: pull it up here. So law two: never mm-hmm. put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use enemies. Judgment. Beware of friends, they will betray you more quickly, for they're easily aroused to envy. He also become spoiled and tyrannical. But hire a former enemy, he will be more loyal than a friend, because he has more to prove. In fact, you have more to fear from friends than from enemies. If you have no enemies, find a way to make them. So with this one, this one I've got some mixed feelings on because once you're an enemy to me, you're always an enemy unless this enemy needs you for something um i i'm not the best with politics but i assume the united states is dependent on somebody for oil you know or just i don't know if they're dependent on you for a job or anything like that they can be used but
0: enemies once an enemy always an enemy what do you think define why 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 do you think
1: that um there's just no coming back from certain things now Mm -hmm. if you were once a business enemy like uh these silicon valley types were like facebook versus twitter or something like that that's different but in a lot of the cases and he's used that he used he's talking like um the emperors of china and these people where their lives were at stake, I don't think people's ambitions to kill the enemy ever die. I don't think they can ever be truly trusted. I mean, some of the examples in which he used...
0: Um, well, I don't think, think even France, though, can be truly trusted.
2: Mm, I think so,
1: sometimes. France. Yeah, I mean, as long as you treat them right and you you constantly... You constantly give them a reason to realize, "Hey, I'm benefiting." Because as soon as they stop benefiting, they're gonna eat you up.
0: That's what I mean. Mm, okay. So can so so can so can you truly trust somebody who wants your self interest no longer aligned? I put it like this, okay. and what i mean is like it it may be a situation where you may not be able to to trust a friend 100% because what if the situation changes and that friend has a gun to their head or that friend has is facing 100 years in prison or that friend has an opportunity to make a mil- his first million by cutting you out of a deal so I don't really be thinking that friends and enemies are that much different. you know they're, they're they're the distance between them are on the same coin a lot of the times. But with enemies, I find, a lot of times when you got an enemy, the respect is still there. you know, they still respect your power, they respect the person that you are a lot of the times unless something that has happened has caused them to not respect you. But a lot of times, you know, you see these world leaders and stuff meeting. It's not like they fighting on site. Even if it's been a lot of death, it's been a lot of this, you know, they still have the ability to shake hands, sit down in a room, talk, because there is respect there. But a lot of the times it just be disagreements with enemies. But what I will say is, With enemies, though, you have to approach with a certain level of caution because they could be practicing the law of setting traps, you know, by befriending you. So the closer that they get, (laughs) the more they know, the more ammo, and it could flip on you at any time. But I believe that it could flip on you not just from an enemy, though. I believe friends flip, enemies flip. You know what I mean? It's all based on if self-interest align at that particular time a lot of the time, You know, occasionally, you will find that friend, though, or you will have that friend group that they wouldn't sell you out, even if it means death to them. Right. But that's more rare than you would think.
1: Way more rare. hmm Way more rare. You got to even... You gotta be um y'all gotta just have a certain type of special circumstance.
0: I think it's individual. I think I think it gotta like, I think some people just don't have that turning gene. Like they just don't have that cross you out gene. They don't have that, you know. Some some people just don't have that in them. But that's more rare. You know, more people are just a self-interest driven. This is what's good for me. This is what's bad for me. And that's that. You know what I mean? But I think we have to learn to not take that so much personal because majority of us are like that. Can we really say that we're a good friend to everybody? You might have four or five people that you solid friends to, but it's almost virtually impossible to be Uh, excellent friend to 200 people. You can have a good relationship with them, you know, but to be a true friend, a true friend is like, it's it's something totally different than what you might think. You get what I'm saying? A true friend is more so family than it is friends because you'll have family that cross each other out. We've seen that, you know, Genesis. (laughs) We can't enable. You know what I mean? He, he killed his own brother cuz he was getting too much shine. His own brother. His own brother.
1: Because the Lord loved him. More. Right. Or he
0: thought It he wasn't necessarily him. that he loved him or Let but me not say he that. Loved him he thought he Yeah, loved him. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. He just he just was telling, Kay, hey, you ain't do what I asked you to do." And your brother did. He got mad at that. Ex his brother. out. You know? So if that propensity to kill or to do something damaging to somebody in your own bloodline, imagine somebody that you're not related to.
1: Well, let me ask you. Mm -hmm. This whole bloodline thing, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever touched the book Sapiens or messed with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I
0: haven't, but uh, it's been recommended to me by you, Kimby.
1: Man, so... This whole sibling thing according to the author of sapiens i think it's noah yavel harari that's his name it's it's really hard to uh, pronounce but siblings were the first people that'll kill you bro and uh over the course of evolution Uh because your sibling was the first person competing with you with you and your mother's food supply not necessarily Not necessarily y'all being the same age, uh, and y'all fighting over like not like twins, but your older brother, while you were still on a breastfeeding stage, would come and want to hurt you because that's more milk for him. He can now get back on that milk that you stole from him mm-hmm. and I know it's a crazy tangent to go on, but yeah it, mentioned... it
0: may it makes sense
1: mm-hmm. it All makes sense. This this new little kid is now competing because now I only got a half of athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, from day one, uh, genetically or evolutionarily speaking, I'm no scientist, but you can't trust nobody.
0: Yeah, because yeah. you know we in, in this in this life. You know we learn to live it with people or whatever, but it's one big competition, bro. That's that's what life is essentially. It's it just think about everything you're doing. You're you're constantly put in situations where you're being evaluated to against other people. Mm -hmm. That's in regardless of whatever you do. And the person that has the most value or produces the most gets the most spoils out of society. So so how going we back to, what you said? Sorry, What were you saying? I'm sorry. I was saying like, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, because you might forget. Go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I had an impulsive thought. I was asking, uh, so how do we keep score now? How, uh, there's, like, is, uh, what's the true, the true points? In 2022, is it switching from, like, currency to attention to what? You know what I mean? I don't know. It was just I, an impulsive
0: thought. I think in culture today, a lot of it is popularity and clout you know, people are more concerned with that than they are concerned with actually getting money. So, Distraction. Yeah, so they'll go crash out on the ground and say something to get somebody that they know is dangerous just to be viral mm. for two or three days. You're going to lose your life. Hell yeah. Playing them type of games. So, you know, I think that that's, that's, that's become the problem in society. My dad was like, okay, when he was growing up, like, if you had something that was like a fight or against somebody's life, nine times out of 10, it was about some money or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's what created a lot of the problems. And it wasn't really a problem if you hadn't done anything like against the family, and stuff like that. We'd be beefing over nothing these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, with that, you know, you have to learn how to move correctly, you know, in society. And and just make smarter decisions. You know what I mean? Re- re- realize the decision that you're making could cost you your life, could cost you your freedom, could cost you a lot of things. But to go back to what you were saying about siblings, I think like a lot of times when you have siblings, that's your first competitor. You know, that's the first person that you compete with because you're competing for attention, love, you know, because... I can remember growing up, you know, if my, if, if my brother got a grilled cheese, I want one too. You know what I mean? Or uh, if my brother got a bite, I want one too. Like, whatever he got, I wanted that. And you vice know, versa.
1: You know what would be the greatest example? If mm-hmm. you went somewhere with Pops, it just so happened that your brother went somewhere with moms that there. You and Pops uh, might have just made y'all some grilled cheese at home. But your brother come back with that couple McDonald's because he was just on the trip? <laughs> Ooh, that's
2: that killer.
0: That's
1: yeah. That killer. You be mad like...
0: Yeah, so that's that's the first thing, you know. So, But I do feel like uh, people that are quote-unquote enemies can... A relationship can be produced that's mutually beneficial to both parties. You know, we see this all the time. You know, even though we went to war with certain countries, we still do business with them to this day. You know? So it's not like... But I, I do get what you're saying. You do make an interesting point. Because, like, probably given the ability to overtake, they probably would take that.
1: That's a,
0: Yeah, they probably will take that.
1: It's got to be mutually beneficial. Uh, for, for example, in, uh, in the book in AD 59 uh the emperor of china emperor soon i think that's how you pronounce it mm-hmm. emperor soon pretty much he knew this is not the place this is not the place for uh, an emperor to have peace so he knew they had probably they might have had a dozen generals and they eventually they have it right now but eventually they are gonna turn on me so what mm-hmm. i'm gonna do the best way for me to pretty much uh figuratively castrate these generals is basically I'm gonna pay him off. He he's he lined them all up, invited them to dinner, got them drunk and happy. And then and just when he thought, when they thought he about to kill him, he was like, they was like, oh man, he set us up, he about to kill us. He pulled out this agreement Well, he was like, Look, all y'all wanna be generals or y'all wanna retire with mansions and women? Y'all gonna have all the money y'all want, all the women y'all want, the finest horses. All y'all gotta do right now, resign from y'all posts and take these priestly places. We're mm-hmm. like, hmm. So you telling me, right now I'm not gonna have to work no more. I can retire. I can just live a lavish life on your dime. And all you want me to do is give up my job that's really gonna stress me out and get me killed anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but by by them doing that, by him doing that. He was able to put his own people in there and probably live a a decade in peace because he put some people in there who they felt grateful that he uh, he made them generals, and they felt loyal to him. So they felt benefited and the other dudes felt paid
0: off. Mm -hmm. And and that reminds me of a quote that says, you know, to show kindness when you could show wrath is the greatest power. They happen to be alive. So they like, <laughs> why would I go messing with him? <laughs> you uh-huh. know, yeah, you know, and he, he, he just didn't keep us alive, but he put us in position to where we pretty much on vacation for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes by him removing people who would be so called friends worked out to his advantage because a lot of times, when you're dealing with friends, they may feel that they're entitled to something, you know, that they, that they owed that. So by them being in there and him putting them in position, they could have been like, well, I've been here this long. I'm supposed to have this. I'm supposed to be running this, 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 this. And then that souls, uh, discord because you can't have too many chiefs. So mm-hmm. now he like, all right, well, I can't tolerate no disrespect. So he really swinging the sword now. You know, he, <laughs> he killing me. people left and right. You know, he like, well, to, and then that's the thing about murder, too, that, I, that in a lot of the re- literature I read, a lot of things can go away, but that murder, it never goes away.
1: What do you mean? Like statute of
0: limitations? Families never forget murder oh you gotta kill the whole family yeah yeah they never forget murder so unless you're gonna x out the whole family and it's gonna be and it's not just that family that you gotta worry about it's gonna be a, it's another family that's gonna say man that was a good dude he was wrong for doing him like that and now they looking at it like oh shoot well, he'll, if he'll do that to him he'll definitely do it to me you know so we're working with enemies sometimes Because they're so unknown. You know what I mean? Because y'all known to have a problem, y'all known to have disagreements, they have to go out of the way to prove they self. They got to work twice as hard. You know, they got to show twice as much loyalty. Can you truly trust them? (laughs) I don't know. You know, but I don't know if you can truly trust them, but. They can still get a job done, you know. That's why I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm not sure how he dealt with it, but I'm pretty sure he didn't just was like, "Oh, let me go put these enemies in position and just let them free float." He probably had spies and everything else, you know. But even a spy, you got to have a spy for the spy, because he could be double crossing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so
1: like, it's almost like. In those situations, if this ain't your son, and that's why a lot of kings
0: brought these sons in. Like, if it's not your son, then... But even your son will knock you off. True. True. If, if, if you raise him to be power hungry. I mean, you watch Power Book. Oh,
1: uh, Tariq?
0: He not ghost he, off.
1: Not ghost off. Dang, you're right.
2: Uh, it's rough.
0: You're getting it's in rough. the way. You know you get. <laughs> yeah, you know, know. you getting you getting in the way. You know and yeah, but finish finish what she was saying.
1: Well, so basically they bring their son in because a lot like a lot of those dudes, you know, I guess they thought you know they raised their sons right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like like with the mob or um, even with these kings, they bring their son in because they feel like their son not gonna stab them in the back. Because, I mean, they could be blinded by love, though, because they feel like, oh, I gave my son all this great life. He's Mm -hmm. not going to do nothing. And that's the bet I would make as well. I feel like if I had a kid, he wouldn't do nothing. But you brought up an interesting point, because Tariq did knock off ghosts.
0: Yeah. And and sometimes, too, um, dealing dealing with, with a child, the child that may be supposed to inherit a kingdom, may not be the child for that job. True. Get what I'm saying? Your oldest might have vices, women, you know, whatever, you know, women, drugs, alcohol. He might have those problems, which may not make him a good king, but that's his birthright. Right. You get what I'm saying? So the youngest looking at that, like, I'm really the one, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm disciplined, I do my martial arts. I, I read, I read my literature. You know, I, I meditate, I fast, I do, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I make right decisions. I've read the Art of War 38 times. You know, that's supposed to be my position because they feel like they work for it. Mm. So, you know, e- even if you look at David in the Bible and stuff like that, he had a son try to kill him. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So, this is not anything new that we're dealing with. You know what I mean? So. I think friends, family, that can be interchangeable at times. But I think at some point in time, you're going to have to trust somebody. It's just, I think the bigger question is, who are you willing to take the knife from? I think that'd be the biggest question. like, Because to me, if my brother get me, I'm like, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if he, if he got me, then all right, yeah. I got. I gotta take that. But I, it's, I can't let him get me
2: though. <laughs> you know I what feel, I mean? I feel it.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like
1: I can't let nobody get me. You know? Okay, okay. Get nobody, everybody got
2: to get treated.
0: Uh, but are me? you truly living life if you can't trust someone? If you can't trust somebody
1: but we'll, we'll, what if, what if this whole trust thing is the whole illusion right because mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. in this in this present day okay. do we re- are we all really dependent on, upon each other see a long time ago we was because like like robert green said in mastery we needed each other because there was a lion that was ready to eat us mm-hmm. so we needed him i know i'm gonna trust he's not gonna run off because he need me to stay up tonight to make sure when I hit, uh, somebody can hit them lines in them bushes. Mm-hmm. Today, you, you, all, all you really need right now is a medical school professor. That's who going to keep them lines off your back, figuratively speaking. Um, do you need a wacky accountant from New Orleans? Maybe if you're trying to start a practice in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I think every single relationship is built off self-interest mm. or a common belief not saying that uh like you know
0: i agree with that That, that's that's strong you gotta say that again well uh, hold on every relationship the every relationship that that was tough that was a bar
1: oh whatever relationship is built off uh self-interest or a common belief yeah oh yeah because what's the main thing america's built on in god we first yeah. The common belief of uh this man that lives in the sky that takes care of us. Not gonna go off on too deep on that tangent, but
2: yeah,
1: but we all basically you gotta be around people that make you comfortable.
2: And how do I put this? You trust who make you better, put it like that. Or you trust who makes you
0: feel comfortable. But see <laughs> that that. Feeling of comfort can lull you to sleep.
1: Right,
0: right. That's what make friends and family so dangerous. Because True. you know, while y'all sitting around eating crawfish and potatoes, <laughs> they might be plotting. <laughs> nice. So nice. you you don't lull yourself to sleep. Like, oh man, you know that's and that could be the most dangerous person. You know, we've seen that traditionally throughout society. You know, that oftentimes it's the hand that's closest that gets you, you know? I mean, we all done read Julius Caesar. Oh, you too, Brutus? Yeah. You you too? Like, ain't no way. <laughs> you know, Brutus gave him the final knife.
1: Damn, so it did. And that was his boy.
0: That's his boy. His 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 partner. You know what I'm saying? But did he, did he betray him because he wasn't a good friend or did he betray him because he felt like Julius Caesar was a threat to the, to their way of life? I think it's more so the latter. So it's understanding what a person's self-interest are. Some people are more God and country people. So regardless of how they feel about you, Their moral code is based on, that's the priority. You get what I'm saying? So like my priority is Jesus the Christ. So if you was to go against that, then I'm like, okay, well, I got to, I got to choose this over what we got going on. So that could cause me to act in a certain way. But you have to understand that though. What we make the mistake is being like, oh, that's my partner. He'll never do this to me. Well, you really know that man values like that. To know, right?
1: right.
0: Unless because, you've been paying attention,
1: right? Because a lot of times people words they're gonna tell their friends some make believe values just to fit in.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, you gave more so the person that observed the law the, the right way, Michael the third. Um, becomes the emperor of the Byzantine Empire and empowers Basilius, uh, a close friend, which eventually causes him his life. And so one might ask the question, well, what mistake did Michael III make? And in my opinion, I believe that he falsely believed that because he was responsible for his friend's rise to power, that his friend would be indebted to him always. Um, so he he always thought that he would have sort of like this blind loyalty from Basilius. Like, oh, I'll put him in position. If I know I got one person on my side, it gotta be him.
1: It's gotta be Basilius.
0: Yeah, but um, the, the opposite was true. And something that you pointed out earlier, um, noticing that he was like a stable boy, right? Right. He could have secretly despised Royals. Like he, you was like, man, they probably been spitting on him since he was a little kid. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, was like,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, you you probably you 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 grew up, uh, you know, middle class, but you nah, it wasn't
0: middle class, but.
1: Well, <laughs> if you, if history, you was class, but you you remember what I, I say is you remember from the hood. You remember right. yeah. so you remember then in the hood, dudes hungry. You were a Very. good kid. So you wasn't going to rob nobody. Mm-hmm. a lot of dudes don't have them same values from mom and dad. And a lot of and they hungry. Hood dudes are poor people. I hate calling people poor, but poor people are hungry. Yeah. Michael up in royalty. All his yeah. mom had to do was die and he was going to become a king. So yeah. he was naturally softer. He was mm-hmm. more raised, more civilized. He didn't have nobody to, he didn't really have nobody taking nothing from him. Everything was given to him. And he felt a certain a bit of great gratitude towards his, his kingdom. So he felt like uh, Basilius was going to be actually as uh, grateful as him, but no, no.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: hungry. He here... He was put here to survive and to thrive. You were put here to be royalty. It's a difference. Mm, That's
0: true. Some some people's makeup is based on survival. Other people's makeup is based on living. You know what I mean? Continuing to live, you know, to maintain. Mm -hmm. You know, they just have to maintain. You know, certain people, you know, I find we come from certain environments where... I tell I used to tell my mom this all the time, like I really can't lose, cause I don't come from nothing. But at the same time, I know how to survive in virtually any situation because of what I was taught. I know that that'll cost you your life. You know, I know that this person might be plotting. That person, you know, it's certain advantages to growing up where you you're living in a place of survival. You know, I mm-hmm. truly believe that. You know. And with Basilius, once he had his opportunity and once it's almost like that person that never had money and they get money and they go crazy, right? About 50 gold chains, go ignorant, you know what I mean? They they had that type of mentality. They go, they gonna go buy the Lambo, they are gonna go buy this because they never had, so they overcompensate. And I think that with Basilius, that's what power did to him,
2: mm.
0: because he never had it before. Once he got a taste of it, oh, it went crazy. He became a feed me see more plant, you mm. know. Is it more
1: feed me more,
0: you know? And and it's just you can never have too much power. Never. Especially Almost.
1: when you grew up like him, he grew up. He grew up raising horses, man. He grew up cleaning horses up. Now yeah. you mean tell me you let this man, you let this man become the head of the army? What you mm-hmm. think he do? You think he, you think he wants to be your lackey? Because basically, until he kills you forever, he gonna feel like he your lackey because he owe you everything. He can't, he can't sit there with, sit with that on his conscience. He's not a oh.
0: So he had to get the person out of the way that he owes.
1: Because I'll never be a king for real. I'll be a made king. You made me the king. If I take, if I take your life, I took this bone. It's 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 the, the mentality of the beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. 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 Um also another theme inside of this story is the element of entitlement. And entitlement is one of the worst drugs ever. You know, and I think that a lot of us too that come up in these environments where we never had anything, when we get our kids, we give them everything. You get what I'm saying? They are gonna get everything that we didn't have. But if we don't teach them that it's work associated with that. It's tears, it's blood, it's sweat. All of that is associated with getting these things. If we don't teach them that part, they grow up thinking that they owe this. Oh yeah. You know, that's why you see sometimes these rich kids off their parents. Cause they, they that's my right. I'm supposed to have this, you know. No. Somebody in your somebody, most people in America, if you're a millionaire, you first, you first generation made. Most of them. So somebody had to put that work in for you to get there. That didn't happen by osmosis. You know, but your kids wasn't there to witness that grind and struggle. You get what I'm saying? I think that's why Romeo got so much respect for Master P. Because he's seen it. Mm. Most kids don't see it. Most kids, because you know, you know how he is. <laughs> you know, we don't want to have kids until we already up here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Most of us that's that's trying to obtain some level of success or power in society, we don't want to have kids while we're struggling. All right, me—that's me for sure. Yeah, but your kids might need to see that. All right, so they don't grow up like Ti kids. Ti, hold on—he <laughs> he he got he got a, he, his son that rap. The oldest I one can't yet. put oldest. that on. Yeah, I can't put that on his name because he turned down the hustle gang chain. He said, I, "I I can't put that on. He ain't earned it yet." Wow. Ah. He said, "How you gonna dime me with that? I mm-hmm. got I got to put the work in." You get what I'm saying? That that'll be like Jay Z putting a Rockefeller chain on Blue just because she blue. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Man, see, ew, you gotta gotta earn that.
1: But see, that was that's Ti was being eager. He was being eager to bring his son in. Why? Mm-hmm. That's my son. I ain't got nobody around. He ain't got nobody around him, but he could trust for real. I mean, I don't no, know right? I can, his camp. I'm just mm-hmm. speaking in general towards that lifestyle. All them dudes, that got money. He might got friends around him, mm-hmm. but
0: no nobody love him like his baby. Yeah, boy, that's and, baby. and that's that's who you supposed to want to put on. That's what you do it for. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, we have to be more legacy-based. If it's anything I learned from the mafia, now the mafia did what they did or whatever the case may be, and that's documented throughout history. But if it's anything that they got right, it's structure, families, a system.
2: Mm-hmm. of
0: okay, this, this is a made man. This is why. I can't just put that on him just because that's a person's son. He ain't made just because yeah do something. You're not yeah. just made just to be made, <laughs> you know right. And that goes for a lot of other things in society, you know uh, you know to to be a made man, you gotta go through things. You have to have a yeah, you know so I think that we have to do more of teaching that philosophy to our kids if we if or to other people. If we want to maintain a level of like cohesiveness in society and stuff like that you know oh yeah so so it's like a a major question that i do have are friends more dangerous than enemies yes and no you got true friends you good you know um in
1: 2022 even though we aren't as dependent upon each other for life and death. You know, you can still build certain bonds, familial bonds, I guess, to say, well, people do love you because everybody has a desire to be loved and they know in order to have the desire to be loved then they have to make themselves vulnerable enough to actually go out and love. So with this whole illusion of love out there, I think you can depend upon friends sometimes, but they can be dangerous because on Mad day, they know where you live, they know where you work, and they know mm-hmm. exactly which berries to poison in the woods that you're gonna eat from. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, they can be, but nah, most people too yeah. really dangerous.
0: Yeah, and they close proximity. You know what I mean? And they know your secrets, (laughs) everything, you know, so that to me, that's what made friends more dangerous. And as well as as that, too, what I measure a true friend, when I say somebody's my true friend, the first thing I think, have we had a disagreement before? You know, if, if you can't be honest with somebody, then I don't think that you could call them a true friend because the friend that you can't be completely honest with that person, or they feel like they can't be honest with you out of threat for losing a position in your life, resentment builds up on that side. So they keep you around for what you offer, not for the friendship. Right. So what happens when you no longer offer that person something or somebody offers them something better. You know, hang it. Oh, it's over. That friend gonna become an enemy. Mm-hmm. But see, somebody that been being honest with you, been telling you what it is, you know, or yeah, I've had disagreements and you haven't heard that go anywhere. You haven't heard anybody else bring this to you or whatever the case may be. If you're dealing with that type of person, to me, that's what I define loyalty is a person that I'm not going to speak your name out of in, in an ill fashion, just because of who you are right. when I could do it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a lot of ships I could sink, but then that's on my name card because the person that you go and tell, and a lot of people don't get this, the person that you go and tell if they smart like me, they thinking, hmm, you would do that to me. On Mad Day? Yeah. Oh yeah, they didn't get on the the define, define Mad Day for the people.
1: Oh, Mad Day is just a day they get mad at, you. that day that she didn't have enough. Yeah, let let you know how it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna for 10 years, but today, today, you are no good somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, is, is there a is there value in having enemies? Yeah, keep me sharp. Fair. Keep me sharp. Give you
1: an example. Me, I grew up, like I said, I went to Catholic school, I was basically the only a child. My parents kind of spoiled me, so I was soft. I ain't mm-hmm. that come back to bite you later, though. It when do. In that world, you expect entitlement. Now, you won't kill up everybody because they ain't doing what you For mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You don't have no sense of reality of no, everything can't go your way. So, if growing up, if I had somebody there, uh, not necessarily an enemy, but if I got punched in the mouth a little bit more when I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, I had somebody to steal my steal my, my lunch money, per se, if they didn't have that in Catholic school, you know, then I would have been more... Uh, about my wits, and I know everybody's not your friend. Everybody doesn't have the put your put others first mentality, because that's taught. Me. You know, I need. I personally needed that to be punched mm-hmm. in the face as a child, but I never was.
0: Okay, now figuratively, I said I was the type of person that I can't. I don't have to learn actively. I could learn looking at something or seeing something. Like, I could see something happen to somebody else and extract the lesson from it. That's, that's the type of kid I was when I was younger. Now, my dad used to... My dad said say this all the time when I was a kid. He used to be like... We used to be just sitting in the car, like, on our little truck rides or whatever. We was going to go work or go to a game or whatever it was. And he used to say, see, son, your mother and... Me, your brother. We gonna show you love. The world gonna show you they behind. Mm-hmm. It took me forever to understand what he meant by that, and what he's saying is, the people that you assume to be your friend ain't really your friend like that. They don't have your best interest in mind because I, you know how you is when you were a kid, you know you used to be like. He used to be like oh daddy that's that's my friend you know that <laughs> he's like yeah. hey. you know when i used to get back in the car later on that day he's like you can't use that word like that mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you don't know them like that you don't even know where he lives exactly. you don't know his mama you don't know his cousin you don't know nothing about him Exactly. Uh, oh, he your friend because he, he gave you a half of his bubble gum? <laughs> uh, no, he's stupid. Right. Here, he's stupid. <laughs> right. You know, so I had to learn that from him to be very strategic about who you trust, who you call a friend. And I do agree with you. A true friend, but everybody that we call a friend or like, you know, um, it's like Nick used to say, brody is the slang but that don't mean that he your brother it don't mean that he love you it don't mean you could trust him that's just a slang people hey bro yeah. but that don't mean that's your brother for it yeah. all right so talking about law three conceal your intentions keep people off balance and in the dark by never revealing the purpose behind your actions If they have no clue what you are up to, they cannot prepare a defense. Guide them far enough down the wrong path, envelop them in enough smoke, and by the time they realize your intentions, it will be too late." So kind of, you know, to start this uh, conversation off, what mistakes do you feel uh, Marquise made in in not being able to conceal his intentions?
1: Okay, um, just to give our fans a little background, the Marquis was a uh, was a twenty two year old lad who mm-hmm. did not, and that's literally what they said in the book. Lad, he um he was trying to get this young countess, this young lady, to like him, but he had never had any luck with women, so he hired this mentor, uh, called her name. She was a sixty two year old woman named Nimon de l'Enclos, and she basically was teaching him how to court this young lady. Mm-hmm. She had him to kind of play hard to get, put her through all these games and tests where he would be places, then he wouldn't be places. He pretty much played cat and mouse with a woman, mirror games. And then he stirred up her interest. Once they got alone, he couldn't control himself anymore. I think his hormones got the best of him. Because, you know, once those hormones get the best of us, we just go to talking and doing everything. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> He saw he this woman came there looking so good and he was just like, Baby, I love you. I can't, let's not play these games anymore. Let's get married. So he just threw himself at her feet. Uh He kind of took the chase away. Yeah. In this particular example, it showed how this woman needed a chase. And if he would have not said anything, if he would have concealed his intentions, um, then he would have got her. But once he gave he told her everything, she knew she had him in the bag. She she was like, you know what? She became very polite that night. She was like, you know what? Maybe we should end the night and go home. And then after that, he lost her forever.
0: So I think uh Marquise, too, like a big thing that messed him up is not listening to his mentor. And so many of us make this mistake, right? You know. Where we have somebody that's guiding us, but we like we we kind of see the end of the road too early. Exactly. But it could be an illusion, you know. Sometimes the end of the road show itself just to make you trip and bust your head, you know, before you get there. And essentially, this is what happened to him. You know, he looked down the road a little bit too early. You know, he was on good pace, but he didn't have patience. And sometimes, and I find this to be true because certain times concealing your intentions, or I wouldn't, I don't know if concealing your intentions kind of sounds uh uh very manipulative, you know, just just the title of it and all. But I think sometimes too it's just not telling every everything, everything that you know, you know, not giving a person. The full spiel, you know, because once a person knows everything there is to know about you, they lose interest a lot of the time.
2: They figure, before. right.
0: They're like, Oh, I know him. You know, so as much as sometimes I see people get into these groups or I see it all the time, you know, whether that was undergrad, graduate school or where I am currently. A lot of times, people get into groups, and their initial thing is to let me establish power inside the group. Right. Let me be as, as loud as possible. Let me tell everything I know. Let me show how smart I am off the rip. Right. But by that, everybody's like, "Oh, I know. I know him. I, I know exactly what he do. I know how he move. You know, I know him to be like this. You know." But the person that comes in and they're kind of like, you know. They fill things out. they find out. And, and two, by concealing your intentions, you can find out the truth about people. That's what I find it to be his greatest advantage. You know, and I was telling Jason about this the other day. When I get into certain situations where people don't know me, I don't tell them I'm in medical school. Mm. Cause their vibe changes immediately. They immediately go into this whole, oh, you a doctor, as opposed to them knowing me for who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Their, their complete energy just shifts. It's more like, oh, you know, he he a doctor, so they, they going to go into their smart bag, you know, so you never really get the true authentic them. You never get the person that they might think that poor people are disgusting. Or they might think it's it's important to know this about a person, but you never get that if you lead with the type of with who you are as a person. So I like to go into situations listening and learning. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: And then once I know everything about anybody, you could you could you could exert that power of who you are, but it's too late. You already got them. You already know who you're dealing with. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And me being a stupid little kid, and I use the word "stupid" probably wrong, but I ain't know that. So, like, I was that kid, want to walk around. Hey, guys, hi, my, my name's Ernest Lumpkins. I go to Catholic school, <laughs> and I like accounting. Now, this person who who really a predator. Now he know if he talk about accounting and he make you think he's a a world renowned accountant. Now That's y'all, it. now y'all friends because y'all got common kind of interests and common kind of beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, he going he gonna to always tell him, oh, Ernest, you like Street Fighter? I'm I'm a Ryu fan club member, you know? But if if I don't tell you nothing about me, if I don't go around blabbing, you sitting there wondering, damn, how can I get Ernest in this position where I can sell him
2: something?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing he know. I don't know nothing he like. I can't sell him nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's basically that.
0: And 56 says something in his book, where he says that when he's sitting down in a meeting, right, and somebody is presenting, he never does this. Exactly. He don't give them nothing. He...
1: Yeah, yeah. But they get nervous in a the meeting. They... <laughs> right. Hey, was, this in, was this in Hustle Harder?
0: Yeah, Hustle Harder, yeah. Hustle Smarter.
1: Yeah, I know. I read that somewhere about 50. He, uh, he said he messed people up in meetings all the time. And they end up, yeah. He yeah,
0: swearing. he just dead face them. yeah so now they got to give all of themselves because they're trying to appease to his to 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 him wanting them to like him
1: exactly
0: so now they got to give them everything even beyond the presentation they start going all off script (laughs) you know
1: um so yeah that's one of the keys uh not letting people know enough to where they can get close to you
0: yeah and and that's why I say you have to read these laws so now when I walk into a room and I'm presenting or I'm saying something and somebody dead faced me I keep on going on what I'm, what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I know that's something that they're practicing
1: right or when they make those faces like trying to get a serious like I'm like I think you're weak or not because you're overcompensating so they give me an advantage like Right. It, it boosts my confidence when somebody starts talking in a tough voice. It's like, come on, man. Vito Corleone told me when I was eight years old, don't threaten nobody, you threaten.
0: Right. <laughs> like, like it's beautiful.
1: but as a, yeah. as a kid, you wouldn't know that.
0: So what what is the room? The strongest one in the room is the weakest one. I mean, the, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room, and you it's
1: compensated. It's uh I always go back to sapiens, but it's like uh, like one of those primal things.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: In in the wild, an animal wants to get as loud and as big as he can. Mm -hmm. Just to scare off other predators.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: In the room, you want to get as loud and as intelligent sign as you can to pretty much attract people or to give up this this facade. But in reality, nah. You should just be quiet and chill. Let people come to you. Mm -hmm. Don't overcompensate.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, the danger of this law and the danger of this law, if people find out that you're concealing things, you can forever be perceived as mistrustful, grimy. You know what I mean? You can forever be perceived as that. You know, so it's a very fine line between this. And I think where a lot of people get caught with this is they tell one person something, but don't tell another person. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So that person goes and tells the person that they're trying to conceal to. And break the whole system. So you got to be able to keep stuff to yourself. You know how often I watch First 48 and it don't be them (laughs) truly getting caught. It don't be them. It be that they feel so guilty that they go tell somebody and then that person is on their conscience. You know what I mean? So now they go tell the police next time, you know, you serving a lifetime sentence. I'm not that I'm not here to justify killing or robbery. Let me say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just giving an explanation how not concealing your contentions, your intentions can be detrimental in a lot of ways. You know? Or that's like walking into a company saying I want the top spot when you all the way at the bottom of the totem pole. Oh, you want the top spot, huh? Well, let me get you out of here before you even get started. Yeah.
2: But most
0: people, why do you feel most people fail at this law?
2: Because it's just natural wanna talk about
1: yourself. Mm -hmm. If that's all you that's that's really everybody's a narcissist, that's the word. Everybody has no narcissistic tendencies within them. Mm -hmm. And if we get one listening ear. They listen and they give us an inch. We're gonna take a mile because who else you love more than yourself? You're gonna talk about it. You think that, and then you think you're a genius. You think everything you see is smart. Mm-hmm. So, and they're gonna if they keep letting you, you just gonna feel smarter by talking. Mm-hmm. So that's why people will let you talk. Just let you talk and talk and talk.
0: Yeah, I feel like people fail at this law because of patience. It take a lot of patience to be able to hold something inside that you feel like would make you look better going, going into what you're saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's hard for me to know I'm smarter than you and not tell you. Mm-hmm. That, that, it's like you die on the inside. <laughs> A little bit, you be like, but you got to learn to eat it sometimes. You know, you got to learn to keep that inside because if you don't, it could work out bad for you.
1: Yeah, for an actual real life example of this is, like, uh, with money. Like, you know, if you make six figures, don't tell your homie you make six figures. Mm-hmm. Why? Because now your homie, He know, when his when his car broke down, he got a homie that makes six figures that he can come borrow from. And he assumes, since you got six figures, you need to give him two.
0: Yeah.
1: You need to let him, you know.
0: And that nine that's how I tell you, you got it
1: you do but guess what not me buddy
0: yeah most people it's just it's just the bragging you know mm-hmm. it's the, it's the bragging that gets a lot of people messed up and two something that you were saying earlier is that people love to talk about themselves. you could really use this to your advantage if you know a person has an ego problem you could just ask them if you, and you need to know what they know you know, you can start off a conversation being like, man, you know, you're really good at this. How does this work? He going to tell you everything because he wants you to feel like, he wants you to, he wants to feel like he knows it all. Exactly. You know what I mean? So you can use that to your advantage as well. Um. Uh, sometimes. And, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes if they know you are... Uh, envious or jealous type, they'll tell you how good they are at something and wait for you to say, well, I did this. Oh, how right, like, let's say you ran a two-mile marathon. I don't know if that's how long they are.
2: Uh-huh. He's gonna
1: say, oh, well, I ran a three-mile marathon. And the way I was able to do it was I took this special shot. And, you know, now you got something on
0: mm-hmm. him. He, he gonna always want to up you. Because we, we live in this, we live in this competitive, like we was talking about earlier. Um, and you also another thing you have to be aware of with this law is people leading with the truth. And it's a Trojan horse of lies. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm. They they give you a truth. Like, let's say, for instance, somebody come to ask you a question. Nine times out of ten, somebody come and ask you a question, they already know the truth. They just want to see if you're a What a lot of people, <laughs> what a lot of people do is they might okay somebody might ask you a question right you know they ask you the question and you know they know the truth so you tell them the truth and so their assumption is that well no matter how bad it get i know he won't lie to me but everything else from that point on they might lie to you because they know that you assume that you tell them the truth you know what i'm saying so you got to be aware of that too Mm-hmm. You know, that's what get a lot of people jammed up. They assume that because one somebody tell the truth one time that they'll always be truthful with you. No. You know, people, a lot of people tell the truth when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. When they don't have nothing to lose by lying. So yeah, they'll tell you the truth then. It, it makes sense. You know, but a but a person, you very rarely find people. That'll tell the truth if it's if they feel like they really got something to lose, you know. If they feel like they they'll that something will really they'll really lose something by telling the truth. Most people aren't like that. All right. Okay. So we can move on to to law law four. I love. Okay. This is probably oh, no, you, you got you got to read it, bro. Oh, my
1: bad, my bad. i got excited about the transition
2: because lawful. Always say less than necessary.
1: When you are trying to impress people with words, the more you say it, the more common you appear and the less in control. Uh-huh. Even if you're saying something banal, it will seem original and, make if you make it vague, open-ended and sphinx-like. Powerful people impressed and intimidated by saying less. The more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. I love how he goes from conceal your intentions into always say less than necessary. Um, Because obviously, these are literally two laws saying almost the same thing. And he's able to give two different angles. And I I love that transition because these two probably are the most applicable to me in life. Because once again, uh me being an only child, Catholic school. But you know what the perfect term for me is green. I grew up green. Do you all familiar with that term all the time? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. But but explain it though. it, it may maybe somebody that's that doesn't know what that means.
1: Or so it might have been like
0: it might have like uh
1: originated in in Fruits, sometimes fruits have a special green tint to them when they're uh, not ready to be uh, out in the world or eaten. So a person who's referred to as green, he hasn't been ripened yet. He hasn't been Mm -hmm. through anything. He doesn't know anything, he's a clean slate. He's a social dummy per se. Mm -hmm. And I grew up very green And I didn't realize that sometimes people would just try to pry information out of you. And I would just be talking, talking. (laughs) But not realizing the more you give people, the more they arm themselves against you or the more they're able to control or curate a mood or an artificial mood for you. Now, when I go places, I mean, I might talk about my dreams and everything, but very few people know about my my
2: true true
1: goals unless you don't really unless you got a reason to know. you know what I mean? Because if not, you can get messed up like that. People mm-hmm. are steal your ideas, people are, uh, replicate your formulas. People just x you out just because they know too
0: much. And, and I feel like this is one of the laws that you probably that, that your parents should teach you the earliest is to not just be blurt down stuff just because you know, you know, cause you know how it is when you, when you a kid, you go over and might tell somebody, Oh, my mama said, it. you know, like, <laughs> you know, you have to learn that yeah, you don't need to say that right there. You know, this, this is not the place to have that conversation, you know, because having certain things, sometimes you could just say too much. And um, I remember David told me a saying. He was like, "You know, you never invite your head to the your, your head to the king's table." And a lot of people do this by just talking too much. You start telling people stuff that they don't know that they don't need to know, just because you can't keep your mouth closed. You know what I mean? So, um, and I, I think this is where uh, Marcius went wrong. Is he lost his mystique. you get what I'm saying he he lost what gave him power was the fact that nobody knew much about him, you know going back into that reputation that's what make that's what gives a lot of famous celebrities the allure. you get what I'm saying, and that's what a lot of celebrities are being hurt in the, in this day and age by social media because through social media we feel like we truly know the person
2: Exactly.
0: but if you notice certain artists you know just as little about them now <laughs> than, than you know about them then you know the the beyonce's the jay-z's the rihanna's they still don't say much about themselves they might promote a brand And anything that they do tell you about themselves will be curated, like through a documentary or something like that. So you only know what they want you to know. Exactly. You know, it's not like they know your personal business and stuff like that. And I think that this is where we have to make that distinction of like, like stop getting online telling people your personal business, you know, what's going on in your relationship and all of this. Come on, man. stop stop doing that because it it lowers your value in society because now people feel like oh i know this about him i know that about him so they bring that into their encounters with you where they feel like they got one up on you you know Mm -hmm. i know something about him but he don't know nothing about me Mm. you get what i'm saying so and another thing i learned too is that the less people know about you, the stronger your words become, and a lot of artists, famous artists use this to their advantage because you you ever seen a warhol painting Oh, in the wall yeah yeah yeah, it don't really look like nothing to me no disrespect to the art community, but <laughs> it don't look like it don't look like anything like that I've never seen before or like. But because he don't explain his art, you have to interpret for yourself what it means. And correct me if I'm
1: wrong. Is Warhol with the soup cans?
0: Yeah, yeah. Your Warhol, yeah, yeah. He was, he, he was, like I he painted he a he painted a soup can. You know, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right, you know they act like he built the pyramid. You know what I mean? That
1: yeah. thing probably a million dollars.
0: Yeah. But by him saying nothing, people had to say, Oh, this is what that means. This is what this means. This is what that means. I know a lot of artists probably somewhere be just laughing because people that made up stuff that don't even exist. And they really just went in there and just scribbled it through some paint. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. inside their head, they like, I just went up there. I did that in 15 minutes, sold it for 10 million because a person is. You know how it is it's the juxtaposition of 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 between the two colors makes it all of that you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah. right and the artist somewhere is sitting down saying eh, that's not really what i meant but if i tell you the gag is up mm-hmm. get what i'm saying so mm-hmm. that can be very beneficial for you saying little you know what i mean because people have to assume and so when you do say something they have to interpret, well, dang, he don't usually talk. So let me listen to what he has to say. You know how it is, you know, when a when a person talks a lot, they became known as, oh, he just a motor mouth, he just be talking. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get that reputation because you start losing value in your words.
1: Hell yeah, that's me. You talking, you're talking, the, the
2: <laughs> talking
0: to the perfect example. Yeah, so the- so in what ways are you mitigating it in today's life, or is that just something that you like? I'm just not going to be good at that law.
1: Um, no, nah, I just don't be, I just don't be uh on front street like that no more. Mm-hmm. I'd be chilling if you hear me talking about you, will because you know I know you. We talk, yeah, but random people not gonna hear me talk about that So if they do, they're gonna hear me talk about something that I've never did or it's over. But, I'm, but i might be I, I might say oh yeah i'm about to do this but really i've been doing that six seven months i done made enough money off that now i'm comfortable in the position where
0: i can talk about it. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so how did louis the 14th observe this law oh man he was
1: the best when people would come mm-hmm. to him all the time people come to him about from across the land well across his land and coming to get him to decide on laws and propositions and all he would say is i shall see i shall see he'll never talk about it next thing you know the he done made his decision and he just went acted on it he didn't even tell him he just said i shall see what he really said was we shall see because i ain't gonna tell you nothing you're gonna see what
0: happened right and i think that's what gave him all the power in the world because people didn't know how to gauge him they yeah. don't know you know, so they don't know, oh, well, if I bring him this, this is how he going to act. Right. This is what he going to say. Because he's just like, mm. you know, and that goes back to that, that old saying, you know, actions speak louder than words. Give
1: you a better example about people trying to predict you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about people vices. I had a problem in college. I used to call a lot. I would tell people my vices. You know, oh, I like whiskey or I like this. I don't know if whiskey is appropriate to talk about. But when if, if somebody knows you really like whiskey,
0: they're going to give it to you. They're
1: going to have whiskey at their party.
0: Yeah.
1: When that's something that they can use to lure you. Now they're now they going to come at you with something else. Now they're going to try to negotiate with you on something about some money or something. Now they got you. Yeah. They I don't and know. Yeah,
0: but. It's very true. You know how it is, you know, people get you drunk. You know, and did (laughs) you get to talking, but they wouldn't know that if they didn't know that that was a weakness of yours. Mm -hmm. See, when when somebody know your weaknesses, they can exploit you in a lot of ways, unless you just that common person where your reputation is built on being brash. Get what I'm saying? You can't hurt 50 Cent, really, because he don't care. His reputation is being brash. Mm -hmm. is saying what he wants that's what he's known for so Mm -hmm. you can't hurt him you can't hurt people like that for real because i don't care about what you think so what you gonna say you know and but you do have to know like to tell say less you know say less than necessary always I always say less than necessary.
1: I just try don't say nothing because I'm going whatever I'm gonna say is gonna I'm gonna say nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. And then too, you never know who you' talking to. Exactly. You know, so a lot of people, man, ma, my brother was this, my dad was this, and you might be thinking you just met this person, and yeah, that might be your first time meeting you, but they may know you real well.
2: Hmm.
0: And you done just gave them all the information they need <laughs>
1: Man, <laughs> to they finish come, you off. They come and explore
0: something. Yeah. You got to know who you're talking to at all the time. That's why it's like, you know, if, if this is my first time meeting somebody, <laughs> 80% of that conversation is me listening. Mm. You know? So it's like, unless you ask me a direct question, I'm not going to go deeper into that. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'll be on a plane and they'll be like, oh, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm not, man, it's a beautiful day, man. I'm flying from here to, what I'm telling them all that for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying all that for? You, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, yeah. They like, so what brings you to this city? Taking in the sights.
2: Taking in the sights.
0: Why you need to know why I'm here? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time, people just try to make conversation, but you don't know that.
0: You don't know. Um, you, 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 don't, you don't know. You know what I mean? But then too, there is another side to this. Sometimes you can cut yourself off to opportunities by not talking. See what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah, because they'll get fearful. Why
2: is he, he hiding?
0: Yeah. Or that person next to you could like let's say since i run a podcast that person next to me could own cnn true but i wouldn't know that <laughs> if i didn't have a conversation with this man yeah. and that's my said <laughs> <Nine laughs> i don't know who i'm sitting next to because i'm i'm just not forthcoming with information like that
1: yeah but don't change that mm-hmm. don't change that But a real life example where me sharing some information did help me out. Uh, Me telling a lady, I don't know what was maybe like a Ritz Carlton or something. I was trying to rent uh, rent something for some kind of event we were having in college, and uh, she was like, "Oh." At first, I wasn't going to tell her which college I went to because I didn't want it to, you know, you know how college boys are. And so, but then all of a sudden I said, Well, oh, yeah, I go to save University. Her that small, oh, you go to Save University? Oh, do you know Dr. Norman Francis? Oh, he's such a nice guy. Her entire demeanor changed because she had a key bit of information. But at the same time, I could have said, uh, oh yeah, that guy and I are part of the same, uh, a lot of the same organization, you know. But I didn't because I said, "Ooh, that would be too much." Because then mm-hmm. she didn't have a specific pinpoint for her whatever she wanted to know. So I just mm-hmm. kept it very low
0: key. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes you gotta be vague. Mm-hmm. Very very. You know you 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 have to be vague. You know what I mean? And and not tell people everything. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, that whole I'm against that whole man. I'm an open book philosophy. I'm not an open book. It's going to take you a while to read this book. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But I think, though, too, that yeah, a lot of it is by environments. I done seen situations go left from a person that knows too much. You know, they know what you're going to do later later in the day, so they know where you'll be. You know, I'm very meticulous about things like that. Like, very few people know where I live, you know? Because I was taught, you know, you got to keep that number of people that know where you rest your head at night. <laughs> you know? Minimal. Yeah, to a bare minimum. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't know. Um, but another reversal is that being too quiet can make you appear to be weak. Sometimes being quiet in the wrong moments, you know, standing up for something that is right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Being quiet in those moments could be like, oh, he's scared. You know what I mean? Oh,
2: yeah.
0: But sometimes it's the... I've always... Nine times out of ten, I don't know if what you think. Nine times out of ten, the most quiet people are the most dangerous. Because there's no info on how to gauge them. You don't know what they'll do.
1: <laughs> I went to school with a kid. Mm-hmm. Dude didn't say anything. Like, no, he said stuff, but like he was polite, didn't give no problems. You think that he was just a pushover? A, you you would have thought that he was just an innocent pushover kid. And you know, lo and behold, this dude was a murderer in high school. But yeah, but this kid, he he was just the politest kid ever. But I knew for a fact that. This kid was, he had some deeper layers to him. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. You you have to be aware of the quiet person. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you everything because you don't need to know everything.
1: And man, you know? when I tell you, when I tell you that was a weakness of mine, I would just get there. I don't know if it was out of nervousness or just wanting to be eager to please and be people's friends. I just walk up,
2: oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I was playing PlayStation last night, and it,
0: like, I would give too much. Yeah. Too much. I think a lot of that too is the need for attention, the need for people to see your value. But see, you have to let people see your value over time. Mm-hmm. It can't be like, oh, I'm gonna make you see my value. No, you know, that always runs people into problems. Now, that's not to say to dim your light. I'm not saying that, but the less, the more that you, The person that wins the game is the person that has the most information or the most guns. That's usually how it goes. You know what I'm saying? But having a lot of guns and bad information can be detrimental too. Cause you may put your guns in the wrong place if you don't have the right intel. So by giving people less information you control the environment nine times out of 10. You know, if right. you got the right
1: information with no guns, you know where to move away from the guns.
0: And people can manipulate you too in this way. Because if somebody that doesn't talk a lot, you assume that when they what they're telling you is true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it could be a smoke screen. Oh yeah. It could be them telling you something to throw you off. And you gotta believe it because you be like, he don't never talk. Uh, <laughs> okay. You so, know, so
1: some from our childhood that that got a lot of value. Do you mm-hmm. remember the cartoon Phineas and Ferb? Yeah, I do. You know, Ferb only had one line every episode. Okay. And any and basically, no matter <laughs> what, I know. I know it's a crazy thing. Ferb <laughs> every episode. It would be like towards the end, and when he finally said something, it would be miraculous. It would just yeah. be something cool. If you ever get a chance to rewatch him, go ahead and see. Fur never talked. He always had an action. He would, it would just be an action or like an onomatopoeia. But when he did talk,
0: it was beautiful. Even Perry. Perry because because Perry didn't talk, they had to assume he was just a pet. Whole time. Can you imagine if Perry was, like, talking? Then they know probably, like, he's more than just, you know, but because he don't say nothing, they assume Perry's just a pig. Oh. So when they see Perry later, they hey Perry.
1: <laughs> and he's just a platypus as well. Right. He's, he's not like a dog, a lion. simple, And platypus. been
0: fighting crime all day.
1: All day. <laughs> all he needs
2: is a hat
0: right right you know so okay. yeah man but uh this this has been a great conversation bro going through laws one through four uh we definitely forward to you know doing the next laws five through eight you know there's some gems in those as well and we hope everybody uh finds some value from this uh do you have any final thoughts um invest 10 save 20
1: and never slap nobody
0: oh yeah say that one more time
1: invest in save 20 and never slap nobody oh then yeah we we'll covered and you don't make no enemies
0: <laughs> i like that one okay and we thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the liberators podcast if you're still here you're enjoying the liberators podcast We ask that you would share and rate us on your favorite listening platform. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Liberators Podcast. If you would like to support the development of this podcast financially, please follow the support link from Anchor in the show notes. Thank you for your time. Stay liberated. From yours truly, your host, Jeremy Shropshire.